showtime. This is the Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck Podcast. Every game. Stewart going to go back to throw the ball. Sets up, looks, throws toward the corner of the end zone. It is intercepted. Intercepted. And the ball. Every story. If we just continue to push and grind and go and take care of our guys, it's going to be built to last. The Scoop Duck Podcast. Scoop Duck owner, Justin Hopkins. And Matt Bagley from 96.1, 580, The Game. Hey, everybody. Scoop Duck in high five. Matt Bagley, Justin Hopkins, and recording on Tuesday because it's a a crazy week. I got the uh, state basketball tournament tomorrow. Got to drive about five hours and be all over the map for that one. What's your life going on right now, J-Hop? You know, it's... I feel like I kind of said this last week. It's here we are. We're in early to mid-March range. We're not quite to mid-March yet. And I feel like I haven't even had a chance to catch my breath. I mean, we had signing day. And, and then, you know, back in, you know, back in the four, five, six, even, you know, seven years ago, you'd think, okay, I could pretty much coast through February. And most of March, I could kind of put it on cruise control. Shoot, man. I mean, Oregon's going through coaches, and they, you know, they get the Aaron Feld saga, Bama, maybe not, maybe no. And here we are already in the second week of spring ball. Yeah. Yeah. How about a new receiver coach? How about 200 juniors coming by the <laughs> campus this weekend? Yeah. Do these guys ever take a day off? Uh, I certainly don't believe so. So, and I, <laughs> and I doubt many of them would say that they're uh, over relaxed at any point. But, uh, but again, as you and I have talked about before, I mean, these guys are all making half a million dollars roughly or more or just slightly less to do what they're doing. So the college football profession, at least as far as coaching goes, they've all seen their salaries raise over the last five years. Probably a lot more than I would say, you know, the, the rest of us, the regulars that are, you know, making a wage or an income or whatever. Uh, but along with it, they've seen the work increase as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially uh, at Oregon. <laughs> especially at Oregon. And uh, and that work will keep going. Two great guests today. Uh, we're we're going to get into them in a minute. But first, I'm I excited know, for both of them. Right. Uh, a good, good little podcast. They're not the heavy hitters of a Kelly Graves or a Mario Cristobal, but they're quality, awesome guests. They're very timely. Yeah. Well, we'll get Kelly after he cuts down the nets two more times. Yeah, he's only got two more. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy how that works. Um, I was going to say... I know, I know you have owned this topic for about a month, almost two months now, and, and, and just all the times we've chatted, even off air, you've been on this story, but now we get to talk about it. Coach Booknight is out, and the Ducks might be looking for a replacement, just, just in case somebody doesn't read every nitty-gritty detail, <laughs> can you walk us through it? Yeah, it's just uh, you know, I, 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 again, as I've said on the site, and I will, and I will say here, I don't think there's a place to, you know, f- there's not a place to speak ill of Coach Booknight. He came to Oregon. There's certain expectations when you come to Oregon, uh, whether you meet them or you don't. That's another story. Maybe it was something different than he thought it would be, you know, because this was a major step up. You go and you coach at Utah State for a number of years. He had a he had a, a cup of coffee at Texas Tech. Didn't have time to even settle in there, and then made his way to Eugene, and and, and that's big boy football. I mean, it's a different uh, you know it's a different element, um, and it's not to say he couldn't survive it. It just seemed like there was a lot of friction between him and Mario Cristobal just on the demands and meeting the demands, and the, and that can be an element of coaching, that can be an element of recruiting, that can be all of it. 
Um, co- I'll say, I'll say, the coaching under Mario Cristobal is not for everybody. It really isn't, and that is not a bad thing because coaching under Nick Saban is not for everybody. Right. Coaching under Bill Belichick is not for everybody. Right. Um, coaching under Bill Walsh was not for everybody. You know, I mean, I can go down the list, and it doesn't make it right or wrong. And Every, there's every, something all those coaches have in common too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they all win. They all win, and they're you know, and I get it. You can win other ways. I understand that. I don't disagree. You can win other ways, but I think to stay at the top of your game, you know, like Nick Saban's been able to do or like Bill Belichick's been able to do, you're a micromanager, you're a perfectionist, you're a workaholic, you are all of those things. I think those are common traits among head coaches. I think Mario Cristobal's got some of that to him, which isn't a bad thing. No. It just means that if you're an assistant coach that may be not quite ready for that or not used to that, it might not be a good fit. And again, I'm not saying that about Coach Bo. Great guy, great family. I know, you know, a lot of his peers at Oregon, you know, really liked Bo. But I think this is a good move for him, and I think it's a good move for Oregon. Yeah, yeah, and I think a, a lot more so. Um, we we said this after uh, what happened with Coach Williams, and I I know we said this with um, or. or I'm I'm drawing a blank here. Coach Arroyo, Co- uh, Coach Arroyo, and and it was suggested a couple times with Feld. Even though I know you and I were very much team keep Aaron Feld at all costs. Oh yeah. Um, Oregon is in a position where everybody wants to come here. Yes. Everybody wants to work under Mario, and is he going to ruffle some feathers sometimes because he's a perfectionist? Yeah. Right? So was Nick Saban, like you mentioned. So right. was Bill Walsh, Bill Belichick. All those guys win. And Mario just had two really big wins that the nation was exposed to. And the nation wants to be a part of that. Are are they going to need to fill this vacancy? Yes. But I think they can find a, a pretty easy time doing it. Because a whole lot of coaches are going to line up to join. Yeah, that's the thing. You make a great point there. There even... This is a really interesting time to go through a coaching hire because, you know, Oregon, like most other schools in the Pac-12, have already started spring ball. So you kind of have the – it's not just the uh, Pac-12. I mean, the SEC, AC. You know, a lot of schools have already started spring ball. So you're kind of navigating a little different timeline. But I just don't think this will be unusual, not only at Oregon. I think this will kind of be the norm at a lot of schools moving forward. And again, I think it's a byproduct of the early signing period. I think that's really affected coaching moves. It's it's affected the way you can do that because of the signing period. Um, and so there is no shortage of people interested in this position. I, like most others, will be interested to see who Oregon hires. And so far... It really feels like almost every single time, without fail, Mario Cristobal has figured out a way to upgrade mm-hmm. on the next hire. Oh, yeah. So I guess we just go ahead and, and uh, count on that once again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's funny you say that because we said that last year, too. Right. And, and I feel even even with this going on now, I feel like that was true with Coach Bo. Yeah. Of he was an upgrade over his predecessor. Yeah, there's no question. I mean, you could see the product on the field was much better. Um, you know, there was a lot more, uh, you know, they, they were better about drops. They were, they were better about confidence. There was just a better discipline in that room overall. 
it doesn't mean Coach Bo was the end all of wide receiver coaches. Probably not, but he was clearly better than the than the guy before him, at least in that aspect. So, um, again, we'll see if maybe Mario is able to bring in somebody that might be a little bit more energetic on the recruiting trail and also able to control his wide receiver room because that's going to be a big key as well. Yeah. All right, man. Uh, you want to get into guest number one? I think we should. Yeah. I mean, hot topic's going to be spring ball. You and I could sit here and talk about it, but neither of us have been there. No. But Jacob Archer works with me on Scoop Duck. Uh, done a terrific job. Just, I mean, hell of a worker. He's a grinder. Gets after it. Basketball, football. Um, like you said, I know you've had him on on the radio as a guest a couple times, and he's just really becoming more of a polished individual, um, you know, in the media market. So really excited. He, he just finished this morning's practice. There was a practice this morning, the first practice of week two, kind of on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday rotation for Oregon. Um, so he was there, got a quick report up on Scoop Duck now as we were recording this, and we'll get him for about 10 minutes, just kind of see what he's thought so far. The first, uh, let's see, what'll be four practices. Yeah. Yeah, I had Jacob after practice number one, and you could tell he's locked in on this team. Yeah. Knows what to look for, is is got a really keen eye right now, and like you said, we're not there, he is. So we get to pick his brain. Jacob Archer, writing here at Scoop Duck, joining us next. He's Jacob Archer from Scoop Duck, and he joins us right now, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Jacob I had you on my radio show in Southern Oregon last week. It was right after the Ducks' first practice of the spring, and we were both giddy, but I could hear the excitement in your voice. Just You loved what you saw. You were optimistic. Now about a weekend, Jacob, you've watched, what, four Ducks' spring practices so far? How do you feel about this team? You know, it's been it's been exciting starting off. You know, getting back into spring ball and stuff, and you can you can definitely tell it's spring ball. You know, people are still getting used to things with the drills, and it's kind of easier contact and stuff like that. But even from practice one to now, you know, today was the first day with shells, so you know they were in pads. There was a lot more stuff we couldn't film and stuff and take pictures of. You know, they're going through cadences with the O line and, and with the quarterbacks and stuff like that, and and it's starting to feel even more real in week two than it was in week one um, with just the quarterbacks and, and, and stuff like that. And I mean, there's just so much energy around this team, you know, even in, even in week two and stuff, the energy in the building and, and with the players and stuff and players are excited before practice and they're dancing around and, and they're having a good time yet. They're still focused. You know, it's not that they're just there for a good time. You know, they're having fun, but they're working hard and, and, and that's a huge testament to Cristobal and the staff of just kind of building that culture of we're going to have fun doing this, but we're still going to work hard and we're going to outwork people and we're going to get better as a team. So it's been it's been really exciting to watch just over the last couple of weeks. I'm glad you mentioned the, the culture there, because that's something that I think a lot of fans, you, you know, we kind of take that element for granted. You can't measure it. You don't know until you kind of see everybody around each other, practice or games or pregame or whatever. Um, and with a lot of departing seniors that had been there for four or five years, I think, you know, there was some concern there. Um, as far as that goes, and I understand it's only practice for, have you just kind of noted maybe a couple guys that seem to be maybe stepping up in regards to, hey, they're leaders. You could tell when they when they yell, everybody stops what they're doing and listens. Is there a couple guys that maybe just kind of have started to really embrace the leadership role from your view? 
Yeah, I mean, totally. Obviously, last year, you know, you lose guys like Herbert, you lose guys on the O line, you lose Troy Die, and and those are those guys were huge leaders on this team. Obviously, so it was something I was really interested to see, kind of who was going to step up and, and take over that role per se. Obviously, it's not just one guy, but kind of the which guys we're going to. And I mean, I, that's why I think it was so great to see, you know, Diamondor Lenore and Thomas Graham come back, for example, this year. You know, the, these veteran multi-year starters that knows. They know what it takes, and, you know, they, they were there maybe when it wasn't so great and kind of like they don't want to take anything for granted. And, and, and that's the difference between those guys, you know, in their senior year versus, versus the guys that were freshmen last year and stuff. That's, all, that's the only culture they've been around is, is winning the Rose Bowl, winning the Pac-12 and stuff. So you have to really, you have to really show the way to them of, hey, you know, we are going to have to work hard for this every single year. It's never going to be given and stuff like that. So I, I think especially Diamondor Lenore and, and Thomas Graham have really kind of stepped up to me. And then even just Tyler Shuck. I mean, man, they were doing some drills today. The first team was going through stuff, and he went over to the side, and, and, and the second and third team were running drills. And guys were coming up to him, and, and there were some receivers that were asking him about the plays and stuff, and he was he was breaking it down. And it was really kind of cool to see him him step up like that. And, and he's directing guys, and he's breaking down coverages and plays to guys on the sideline in between drills. You know, when most of the guys are just trying to catch their breath, he's still helping other guys. And that's kind of that, that maybe that quiet leader, kind of how Herbert was, where he might not be the most vocal guy out there, but, but he is a leader, and he's earning everyone's respect out there. I know it's early, Jacob, but four practices in, do you, do you think you've seen enough from Shuck? Is he the guy? Yeah, I mean, he's done everything right so far, even even before this year, just the last couple of years and stuff from his pressers and practices. And, and you only ever hear good things about him, about him, you know, putting in the hours, putting in the time, studying the film, getting the playbook down. And then obviously having a guy like Herbert to learn under is just, you know, that's something not many quarterbacks in college can say. They, they learned under a player like that. And you're starting to see it now on the field and, I mean, he is just crisp with the football. Every pass so far I've seen, like, I'm, when I seriously say I don't know if I've seen a particularly bad pass, I, I haven't from him yet. Where some of the other quarterbacks, you know, you see him miss an out route, you see him miss a post every once in a while in practice, and he is just on point. And it's, it's not only just that he's, he's accurate, he has kind of that, a really good natural arm strength about him where, you know, a lot of guys can throw the ball 40 yards, say, downfield. But if they're, you know, putting everything into it and they're dipping their shoulder and they're, you can tell they're forcing it and it takes a little bit to get there. Or someone like Shuck, he kind of, he kind of just can flick his wrist and it, you know, it, that ball is just sailing over guys. And it's, it's even today in practice, he, I, I wrote about it in the practice board and it ended up not being a completion, but it was more on the receiver. Devin Williams is out right. And, I mean, he threw a perfect ball Williams at about 35, maybe 40 yards downfield. And it was, it was, a beautiful play. Williams ended up catching it because Michael Wright kind of made a really good play and Williams lost it a little bit, but it's stuff like that where you're like, man, once those guys keep working together and you can see that chemistry, like, it's going to be, it's going to be unstoppable and everything Chuck's done has just been great so far this offseason. Good. I think that's probably the news Oregon fans are most interested. I mean, that's, you're talking about QB1, most important position on the field. It's going to be a huge, uh, you know, a huge topic through this spring and into fall. Another huge topic, and we're not going to get any answers on, on practice number four, and, and I'm not sure that we'll get any answers through the spring, but 
just from what you've seen from Coach Moorhead, his interactions, maybe what he's been doing, his demeanor, I don't expect you to give us a report, hey, the offense totally different. You know, they're not having that in, and they're not going to show you in the first 20 minutes of practice. I get that. But just from kind of what you've gleaned seeing him and the things they've been doing, how is he maybe a little bit different than what Coach Arroyo's done the last couple of years that you've observed? You know, Moorhead has been around for a while. He has lots of experience calling plays at, you know, different levels and, and everything. Lots of experiences, lots of different schools and stuff. And he has a little bit of that almost calm, cool, and collectedness to him where where he's not necessarily the most energetic guy on the field. But you know that's just like a football guy right there. And I, you know, I hate using that term, but it's so true. Just someone that you can tell is such a high football IQ and, and the way you see him coaching guys and, and – with footwork and technique and things like that. And just, it's, it's definitely different than how Arroyo coached him up last year and stuff. And it'll be, you know, like I said, I've only been to a couple practices, so it's been hard to see that necessarily in full effect. But I kind of think as we keep going along in the spring and, and we see a little bit more and I, you know, I can see a little bit more practice and kind of, kind of how things are changing. Cause yeah, like you said, you know, they ran, a couple one-on-one drills with the ones today, but it wasn't anything of significance, pretty basic plays and stuff like that. But, I mean, I even thought it was interesting on, on one of the scrimmage plays, Shuck took off running today, and that was such a, like, oh, whoa, like last year in practice, for example, I had never really seen Herbert take off running during, during any practice and stuff. And it was kind of interesting to see something like that. We were like, man, that even might just be more head in his ear kind of telling him those things. Because, I mean, there was the quote last week about how he wants to run the quarterback more and stuff like that. And, you know, he had great success when he was at Penn State with Tracy McSorley uh, running the ball and stuff. And stuff like that, we were even starting to see within, you know, two weeks just real minor tweaks and minimal changes to the offense, but they're already kind of recognizable. Uh, you're, you're talking about ways that, this offense has stood out to you, Jacob, and players that have stood out to you. Um, four practices, just about a week, a week, maybe a week and a half in. Is there anything you want to see from the Ducks in the practices ahead? Yeah, you know, I think I think there's still a few big question marks on the team. Obviously, with offensive line, going to have a lot of new faces on the O line, and there, there's a lot of really talented big bodies that are ready to step up, but it's going to be really interesting to kind of see who steps up. You know, there's a lot of open position battles, and there's guys we expect to be starters day one, but they still have to go earn it. You know, guys like we think Stephen Jones should be on, you know, guys like that, that that people think should be a day one starter, but you know it's going to be about the competition. And, and Mario, I'm sure, probably doesn't have anyone except for Sue Well penciled in on the offensive line as of now. <laughs> I mean, and, and it's going to be really fun to watch because there's eight, nine, ten guys that are potential Pac-12 starters and, and really good linemen that are on this team competing. And then, obviously, with the you know, if George Moore comes back, because he's trying to fight for a sixth year of eligibility and how that would kind of shake things up on the offensive line. So that's kind of the one, the one position I'm, I'm really interested in watching, but I'm also the most confident in, if that makes sense, just with Crystal Ball and, and how he's recruited and how well he's done at pumping out these offensive linemen, even though there's a bunch of unknowns you know it's still going to be a good product. Uh, and then I'm also really interested to see how the linebacker situation plays out this year. Obviously with Thai leaving and, you know, Isaac Slade had a great year last year, but there's still a lot of snaps to be had. And it's interest, it'll be interesting to see how some of these really talented freshmen stack up versus some of these guys that have been in the program for a year or two. You know, I, I'm excited to see Adrian Jackson and kind of his progress now being in the program for a few years and, 
you know, people thought he might be a breakout player last year, but it didn't quite work out. And and now there's these, you know, these five-star recruits that are coming in that are wanting to take a bunch of snaps and have someone like that kind of respond and steps up. Um, I'm, I'm really excited to see how the linebacker situation plays out this year. Uh, once again, very limited uh, four practices. I know you guys get 20 minutes. You know, I know not a lot of actual football, you know, goes on in that window. But just maybe from the eyeball test and being around there, maybe looking at, at some of these guys and seeing them from year to year. Anybody jumping out to you maybe in practice that you've seen make a play or just, hey, look, man, that guy's bigger, looks a little quicker. I mean, anybody kind of jump off the page to you. Uh, looks like Bennett Williams was with the ones today in your practice report mm-hmm. from what you saw. You know, any, anybody kind of making a, a just at least a bit of an impression in that window for you? Yeah, I mean, Bennett Williams is a great one. I mean, he's already, he's already working with the ones after week two of camp, which is not something I expected. But, you know, he's looked great out there and stuff. And, I mean, there's a few other guys. Uh, I think Johnny Johnson looked really, really good. And, you know, it's, it's a guy that obviously has been around for a few years now, but he continues to get better. And I think he could be a really, really solid piece in this receiver core. And then also Michael Pittman. I mean, that dude is just so fun to watch on the field. He flies around. He's, he made, he's already made some crazy catches and, and whatnot, and, and he looks really great. And, I mean, same as Devin Williams. I'm, I'm not just trying to talk about the receivers, but the receivers have been really fun to watch. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see those guys that have worked with Shuck for a year or worked with the twos when Shuck was with the twos and guys like that. And kind of you see their chemistries already developed and stuff like that, especially with Pittman, who was working with Shuck last year um, during before the season, working with the twos and stuff. And you can already kind of see their chemistry. So it's been really fun to watch. And then, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, Michael Wright is just an absolute freak at corner. He's so fluid and fast and his technique is great, and he looks ready to step up even more than last year. But obviously, it's such a loaded defensive back group with you know Graham and Lenore and McKinley and all those other guys that are just such high level players. And it'll be interesting to kind of see how that shakes up. But he he really really good plays and some drills already this year. Well, a lot of that's certainly exciting. I know receiver. I would say after I would say after quarterback, offensive line, or receiver, probably one you know one b and one c (laughs) for what people are following so that's good stuff uh jacob we appreciate your time and we know you're a student you got things to do and you did a great practice report this morning we appreciate that let's get you back to school and uh, of course get that degree uh but thank you for your time and uh and and keep grinding man we appreciate all your work yeah thanks for having me on always appreciate it thank you all right buddy that's a life man he gets you know an opportunity at a major duck site, mm-hmm. thousands of people reading it every day, to watch practice, right. get the press credential, follow the team, write about the team, and then the cherry on top is he gets to call you in the middle of class, leave <laughs> class. Man, I wish I could have done that in college. Yeah, and you know, don't make a habit of that, Jacob, but I want your parents <laughs> calling me. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, you know, I- I've been very fortunate just in the, in the, in the, you know the short infancy of of scoop duck to have some really good students working for me and i and i really i know that they benefit from it and i know that you know it helps them and i've you know alan obviously going on to the next stop alan johnson was tremendous for me yeah um scott bolt's been doing pictures for me this year and he's been i mean he's just a but you know you can 
you can always tell in this industry when somebody's got a future. You mean you got to be a go getter, and I mean you do. You you got to have. I mean, I can sit here and micromanage these guys to death, right. but that's no fun. Right. Most of these guys are working as hard as they are because they want to. They like it. They enjoy it. And that kind of energy, that kind of you know dedication, will really take them. Whether it's in this field or if they move on and they're in broadcast journalism, who knows? There's a lot of things this this could springboard off to, but. You know, you see that type of energy, and I just, you know, I've told, uh, you know, Jacob and Scott and Alan, those guys that have been working for me, I've I've been real fortunate. Um, I've tried to reward them when I can, you know, help Jacob and Scott get to the Rose Bowl, and I know that was something that they were just over the moon about, um, you know. And again, are they helping me? Absolutely. But on the flip side, I think they're also getting to kind of fulfill a passion, and I think it's really great to see their work you know, coming out like it does uh, for Jacob. And, and you could tell just, just us talking to him right now, he really likes going. He's enjoying yeah. it. He's loving it. And I think it's just great experience for him too. Well, it's like I said off air, and we're going to go inside media here. I don't know how many people really care about this, but when I first had Jacob on my show like three months ago, I could tell, okay, you're a college student. Sure. Usually they're nervous. Usually sure. they don't have the experience that, that you will have when I interview you or uh, know up at 620 or the, the guys at 1080 interview you. But uh, the other day, speak to Jacob again, and it was like a completely different person. Yeah. And what that tells me, just like you said, you know, you can tell when people are, are making an upward trajectory in this business. For me, the key is growth. Right. If I see you grow, if I see you improve, that means you're putting in a lot of work on how you sound and how your writing comes across, and he's doing that. Yeah. And uh, Duck fans are going to be the benefactors of it. Yeah. Um, you know, we joke about Mario Cristobal saying football is a developmental sport. You know, media is so a is developmental media. career. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> but it really is. Yeah. I mean, all jokes aside, it really is. There, there's a reason I use media analogies all the time on my show. Yeah. And not only because it's relatable to me, but because, you know, I, I think it is similar for a lot of these guys. Um, he's not the only great guest we have today. No, that, you know, so for the listeners, that that's kind of, you know, obviously spring ball is going on. It's a hot topic. Uh, only four practices. So I know that there's not like a ton, a ton to glean from it. And keep in mind, you know, when Jacob or any of the other outlets go, they're all treated the same uh, other than Rob Mosley, who works for the University of Oregon, different deal. You know, those outlets are allowed to go for about 20 minutes and they're ushered out fairly quickly. You got you to gotta think about it. those guys roll on the field. They're going to spend 10, maybe even 15 minutes, you know, stretching, kind of getting loose a little bit that first 10 to 15 minutes. And then if you're lucky, if you're lucky, it means you've got like 10 minutes, I would say on a good day of watching them maybe throw a few balls, run a couple routes, you know, maybe a little bit of one-on-one might be an offensive set or two and you're out. And trust me when I say you're out. I mean, they come over and they let you know, hey, 20-minute window's up. Please, you know, head for the exits. And, and you do because you have to. But so, you know, I'm always one of those people like, hey, enjoy the practice reports. Read them. You know, take them from, from here, from Duck Territory, from the Register Guard. Take them wherever you want. But also understand what you're getting. You know, you're not getting to see, uh, you know, the ones versus the ones very often. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. a pretty limited purview. But again, no discredit to Jacob or the, any of the others that do go. It's great to just kind of hear the snippets of, hey, yeah, this guy looks bigger, or I really like how Moorhead, uh, it, it, Coach Moorhead's running the offense and how he coaches, and, and it's good to hear about the culture being in place. All those things are great. Um, you know, So that's kind of spring ball. Last thing I think we need to hit on spring ball is the fact that at, at, at the 
At the current moment, and this is Tuesday, Oregon is slated to practice in Hillsboro on Saturday. Believe they're going to open the gates at noon. Yeah, and it practice they practice at one up there in Hillsboro. You got Top Golf up there. You got some fun stuff. You know, make a day out of it. Take the kids up there to Hillsboro. Go watch the Ducks for an hour, hour and a half. Go hit Top Golf, whatever. Hopefully the the weather's cooperating. But uh, there's yeah, a McMinimins right down the street too. McMinimins, yeah. There's lots of good stuff up there. Um, so, anyways, yeah, make your way up there. I say at the moment it's still scheduled. I've heard some rumblings about the coronavirus and and people getting a little weary. Um, you know, there's a lot of there. I mean, there's shoot, we got basketball tournaments being canceled in the in the Ivy League and stuff. So some of these people are taking it very seriously. And not that the University of Oregon isn't, but I could see maybe a, a last minute change there if if for whatever reason it dictated that. But I doubt that's going to happen. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I know I'm going up to Portland this weekend mm-hmm. to cover the uh, high school basketball tournament. Right. 6A is always held at the University of Portland. Um, and I haven't heard anything about any sort of cancellation. Right. Uh, I know the the 5A tournament in, in Corvallis at, at Gill, same deal. They haven't talked about cancellation. And I've been following that pretty close, uh, closely, working in local media here. Yeah. From what I've gathered, I don't think Oregon is at a stage yet. We have less than 20 people that are that, right. you know, right. uh, tested for this thing where we're going to shut stuff down. Yeah. I think what Oregon is pushing is they've tried to train EMTs and train cops and, and get the hospital facilities ready right. to kind of handle this that way. What to look for. Yeah, yeah. I think that was... Uh, I'm not going to go political at all, but the state of emergency, whether you liked it or not, it, I think my understanding is it just simply enabled them to kind of be ready. It was a precaution more than a, Oh, let's go full blown panic. It was, Hey, look, this allows these guys to, to train and be ready, which I I think is the right move. You, you want to be, um, you know, uh, proactive instead of reactive in, in matters like this. And so anyways, that's the coronavirus. So there's our spring ball bit. Um, I think Spring ball good. and coronavirus. Spring ball all in one. Yeah. Uh, hey, just be smart, people. Wash your hands. Don't put your fingers in your mouth. 95% chance you're going to be okay. So yeah. uh, just be smart out there. Anyways, we can put a bow on that. Excited for the next guest as well, as you alluded to. Uh, somebody we've had on before, somebody I really enjoy because, uh, man, he just he tells it like it is. But, uh, you know, Chance Hudson uh, is going to come on and join us here. Uh, if you don't know who Chance Hudson is, his 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 son Keon Ware Hudson is currently a member of the Oregon football team as a defensive lineman. Uh, his next son in line there, Kyron Ware Hudson, is a 2021 wide receiver, four-star wide receiver, also at Modern Day, where where uh, Keon came from. He's currently verbally committed Oregon wide receiver. You say wide receiver? Yeah, that's, could use that's those. a uh, position the Ducks seem to need. Yeah, no, it's a great you know, and, and you know, of course, thank you to Chance Hudson for continuing to put out elite D1 prospects for Oregon to snatch up. But uh, no, excited for him to come on because he was able to bring Kyron up this weekend. And as Matt alluded to, Oregon had three or four or five days of of juniors coming through the program. You had seven on seven teams. You had individuals uh, with Kyron being committed. He was able to kind of come in and talk to some of the other recruits. Obviously, Chance was there for that. So uh, Kyron's in school. So we'll get Chance and have him kind of walk through what he saw and what he thought. And maybe if he you know had an opportunity to co- talk to Coach Moorhead a little bit and uh, and just kind of talk chat with him for 10 or 15. Yeah, and I want to throw out this for anybody wondering, hey, why do we grab a parent of a player? 
we've done this before. It's not Chance's first rodeo with us. Uh, first right. year doing the pod, we had him on, I think, before Keon even got to campus. And what I always love when we interview a parent is you learn the why. Why Oregon? Why Mario right. Cristobal? What do they see? What do they believe in? And and I think it goes a lot further than if we have Mario and Mario's telling us the why. Sure. These people really buy into it. These families really believe in it. And, and you see with Chance Hudson, a guy who his sons have had a lot of options and they have really leaned on him for his wisdom and experience. And he has helped lead them to Oregon. Yeah. So we get to learn a lot about that. Uh, I think, you know, Mario Cristobal in Oregon are, are the people doing the sale and pushing the product. Here you basically have a customer offering a, a review of why they believe in that product. Right. And that's, you know, and you're going to get it from a from an adult who's been through a lot and seen a lot. And, and, and you know, maybe a, a, a teenager... You know, they, they're going to leave Oregon and go, man, those uniforms were sick. That place was sick. I can't <laughs> like, I get it. Be excited. I mean, you're, you know, you're 17, 16, 18 years old, whatever. That's your time frame to be excited and be a kid and stuff. Right. At, at this point, we'll at least get kind of a, you know, a parent's or an adult's view on, hey, man, those guys are doing it right. That's why, you know, that's why we're buying what they're selling. So uh, anyways, without further ado, let's get Chance Hudson on, um, you know, and if you don't know, not only does Chance have have Keon and, and Kyron Ware Hudson. You know, he's a, they're at modern day. He talks to a lot of those kids down there that, that Oregon's recruiting. He knows guys over at St. John Bosco. He goes to the seven-on-seven events with his son every weekend. You know, it's not just him limited to modern day. He knows a lot of the major players down in Southern California. So he's a guy that's pretty connected and plugged in down there. It's, it's just nice to kind of have him and, and kind of hear what he's hearing from down there. Chance Hudson, our guest, Scoop Duck in Hi-Fi. Chance Earlier, Justin and I were talking on this pod, and Justin broke down just how massive your weekend and Oregon's weekend was uh, over almost, I mean, almost 200 juniors coming through Eugene. Walk me through that experience for you and your son. Hey, uh, glad to be on. Uh, Good to talk to you guys again. Um, It was a big weekend. There, there was even some kids that that reached out to me. I got some phone calls from uh, from coaches Mario, one of them, about a player, uh, one of Kyron's teammates, C.J. Williams, and I didn't see him Saturday or Sunday, and didn't didn't even know he was going to be out there. So, uh, it was it was a it was a big weekend. Um, there was a lot of people. Uh, it seemed like they were there in waves. Like there were people who came that I never saw, uh, and saying thing people reached out to me and didn't even know I was there so um but it, overall it was, it was a great weekend uh it's always good uh to get back to, to Eugene Kyra and, and myself couldn't wait uh to get back and uh you know some 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 changes with the staff um you know some familiar not you know familiar faces from this past year uh we're, we're no longer there and just kind of getting to meet meet some new people that I've uh I've met on social media, but obviously not, not in person. So, uh, it was, it was good. It was good. Let's, uh, let's start with the big dog. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, Oregon doesn't have a, a wide receiver coach currently in place. And that's a, you know, probably a topic for a different time. Uh, but coach Moorhead's there now. And again, I understand there was a bunch of kids there and you probably didn't have a lot of time to sit down on one-on-one with him, but just maybe some of your 
initial thoughts from meeting him and the amount of time you're able to spend with him and and just kind of how you feel about the offense moving forward under coach Moorhead uh, I'm, I'm really excited uh, I know last year I, I, I was in supportive uh, and I'll always be in supportive of the staff um, as same as Mario uh, that, that's kind of what what head coaches do and obviously some things could be better but uh, we, we still had we still had a good season but <laughs> Reading, you know, some of the fans felt, you know, some things could be better. And you know, for the most part, fans, whether it's fans, parents, players, coaches, everybody's watching the same game. So I think something that we lacked a little bit was creativity. And I'm really excited uh, and looking forward to uh, what Coach Moorhead is going to bring um, with, with, with this offense. So I, I did. I've spoken to him a few times. Kyron has spoken to him a few times. He came to the school. He came out and visited. So Kyron met him before I did. But uh, we, 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 had a, we had a conversation, uh, chopped it up a few different times, once in the elevator. And even in the short, short periods of time, whether it's a five-minute conversation or a 15-minute conversation, the amount of information you get about what he's going to do uh, really makes you um, excited, excited about it. Well, that's certainly going to be music to Oregon fans' ears because I know you've had you know you've had your finger on the on the team obviously from you know from last year into this year so you you know you're probably plugged in uh, you know more than most I would say as far as that goes um, just overall the guys that maybe Oregon's a little bit more after uh, from a recruiting perspective guys with offers was there anybody there that that you felt just from what you were able to observe had an especially good time at Oregon or, or just seemed to really be enjoying the vibe? I, I think uh, I, there, there's a difference in, in meeting someone in person and, and obviously uh, things I do on my own, stuff Kyron does on his own, stuff that we do together, stuff that when I talk to coaches, um, you know, things maybe I'm, I'm saying, hey, hey, follow this kid, you know, let, let's, we, we need this guy, right? So any, any way I can help out, same with my son. Uh, we're we're all for same same way with Keon. You know, I'm all for helping out the class, uh, helping out this program, and, and bringing the guys in to help us get to to where where we haven't been in a while, and that's that's to this playoff. So, um, I know pretty much all, all the big names. Everybody everybody knows kind of who we're after. I mean, we're after all the all the top guys. And without kind of giving details on a specific type of kid, there was I know I know. Um, I know Troy Franklin was one. I know Maliki. Uh, those those are guys that I am trying to establish a relationship with. I met uh, Maliki, the tight end. I did not meet. I, I spoke to his family while we were doing the photo shoot. Uh, there was just so many people there and so many groups. Um, it, it was it was difficult uh, difficult to do that. But um, just from kind of those that position standpoint, um, those two I was looking forward to meeting. Um, and, and wasn't and wasn't able wasn't able to, but it, it's it's going to be a continual process going forward. I, I know that I heard that that he had a really good weekend. Several people, you know, would make comments, and the comments would be like, you know, when I would ask them, "What do you think, man? How, how do you we talk about the experience and the visit and the trip and what to expect and the energy and you know, a lot of times their their answers were simple, man. It feels like home, and, and I, I heard that about three or four times from some of the recruits that we were after. Well, feels like home. Uh, 
Chance, I, I'd love to ask you for your perspective on, on that tangent because you have a son at Oregon and you have another son who might be joining him at Oregon soon, potentially. How do you feel about the direction of this program? Well, everything, just like <laughs> I'll never not bring it up because that's where my, my roots are, but it, it's very similar to, to, to the coach down, down south uh, that I'm familiar with. Uh, assistants will come and go. And if one thing I can tell the fans that it's not a knock on any assistant. Uh, I'm very close with uh, Keon's position coach, Coach Joe Salavea. Very close with him prior to us even committing. Um, if Joe leaves, it's nothing personal. I always have love for Joe, but it's on to the next who, who's going to come in here and help us get, get to where we're trying to be, get to where we're trying to go. So it's never personal when assistants come and go, but I understand that that's part of it. Uh, in my mind, uh, I love Coach Levitt. I love his personality. had a lot of conversations with him. We brought in Andy. It's, it's clear to see, along with the 19 class that came in, you know, we, we improved. So I expect, I know the fans may or may not know, but when you're 74th in the pass defense, I, I love a lot of assistance, but I think that we're going to improve in that regard. So, I love the hire of Coach Moorhead. I think we're going to improve in that area. So we, I, I tell players every up-and-coming recruit, uh, freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and even ones who are, who are about to commit, um, I, I, when I speak to the families or the, or the players, it's one thing to be attached to, to a position coach, but a really good position coach, they're, they're going to come and go. They're going to get better offers. You know, it's so – far as the direction of the program, I think Mario Cristobal has his way of doing things, and it's very clear what that way, his way, the energy, the people that he surrounds himself with, it's very clear the direction that, that he is taking us, and he's done exactly what he said he was going to do when I sat in his office the first year he got the job. He told me the first year we're going to win the Pac-12 championship. And he told me exactly how he was going to do it, and he followed it to a T. And, and you, see the, you, you see, everyone sees where we are. We just got to get over that hump. We got to win. It. We, we can't lose games we should win. We got a little complacent after, you know, beating Arizona, whatever, 28-7, to whatever the score was. And then Arizona State was lost their last five games and, you know, stuff like that, the mental the mental errors we got to improve on in order to, to get to that next level. No, I, I love that point you make, Coach. Um, and, and it's uh, it's pretty amazing to think that Oregon has been able to, essentially it just feels like every time an assistant or coordinator or whatever leaves, Mario Cuspal has been able to upgrade that next position. And, it's, and again, like you said, it's not a knock on the guy before him. It just seems like, hey, look, we weren't very efficient in this area. Let me go get a guy to help us fix that, and he's done that. Um, you know, I and, and 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 on that note, I mean, I'm becoming a, a like a diehard. You know, I'm becoming, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm starting to bleed green and yellow. So, like I said, it's not a matter of I don't like those guys, but if you leave, bye. Right. Let, let's find the next guy. It's on to the next guy, and I think that's the mentality. That's the mentality. That, that, that we, we have to have in order to keep this thing going. And I, I think I think we're going to be fine. I did talk to, I don't know if it was going to be your next question, but I'll, I'll kind of transition my answer into the, kind of the same subject matter on the coaches. 
Um, I, I've known of a few. Obviously, Connor's a wide receiver, so uh, sure. I talk to the coaches a lot. Uh, talk to Mario a lot about about the staff, and um, you know, I've reached out to a few. I've had some conversations with some. Some have good relationships with Coach with Coach Moorhead, and obviously, that's a plus right. to, to guys that have worked together and understand the the grind and kind of what it's ta- what it's going to take and what we're looking for when they come in. And I'll tell you, without speaking on any specific names. Um, the the coaches that I've talked to, I think I, we're going to be fine. We're going to be fine. I, I'm I'm, ex- I'm excited for whichever one he hires, but I, I trust him in what he hires. But I'm I'm looking for an upgrade there as well. And that was going going to be my question. Yeah, kind of phrased how you <laughs> it was phrased. It was going to be phrased how you had it. Like, hey, I know you don't want to name any names, but you know you're feeling good about the next hire. Um, you know, I've got a few names myself that I've relayed on the board. Uh, which you may or may not have seen, but uh, I did I, see. I saw it yesterday. Gotcha. So uh, yeah, um, without going too far there, and I feel just stupid asking this question, but I will just so you can put it in your own words. Uh, no receiver coach, but that that really shouldn't change anything with where Kyron stands with Oregon. Is that fair to say? Absolutely not. Uh, I, I I believe uh, I, I I'm rolling with the head of the snake, <laughs> and. I would not like Alabama as long as Nick Saban's there, regardless of who his assistants are. You know, I, I, same, same, same here with Mario. Um, I believed in him from when he got here. Uh, and I, I would say prior to Mario, uh, prior to Mario getting the job, uh, when we were first being recruited, it was more so on the relationships of, of Joe Salavea and, and feeling comfortable at Oregon. But the, the belief was in Joe Salavea getting us to where we needed to be. And now... Uh, Mario, you know, ha- has taken over as a good leader should, uh, in my opinion. It's, it doesn't take anything away from Joe. Joe still has his job to do, and he's still doing it. Uh, but Mario uh, is, is, you know, I'm putting my faith into him, and, and I love the fact that some of the key pieces uh, choose to stay. And everybody's not going to stay forever. Right. But you, you might have some of those key, concrete pieces that stay that are that have no plan on going anywhere. And, and that's you know that's what's needed, and and I see it, and I love it. And every time I come, I see the same. I see Joe, I see Keith, I see uh, Coach Jackson. You know, I, I see all these. Uh, I mean, Coach uh, Bobby Williams. Coach I Williams, see all yeah. these guys every single time I come, and it's just very, very familiar, very familiar. But Kyron committed. There was no OC, and there was, um, you know. Rumors, assumptions, yeah, <laughs> yeah, rumblings that that there could be a wide receiver coach change, and he had my blessing as soon as we sat down and had a discussion about it. He, he had my blessing. Although initially I thought it was going to be Arizona State, he came out of nowhere, and you know I didn't know that he and Mario had, had been talking, and he was aware of some things. And once he said it, and I was obviously happy, but the position coach. Of course, it's important, but again, it's having trust in Coach Cristobal, and I think a lot of kids that sit down with him feel that that energy. And one thing you can't you can't replace. Maybe some of the fans see it. Maybe they've gone to the open practices, but everybody I've talked to, and I'll save part of the answer for if you ask me or, or whenever I'm finished uh, for for the end. But everyone says talks about the energy. The energy and the family atmosphere. It's been like that since we were recruited as sophomores, and it hasn't changed. Well, and it's it's funny that you mentioned 
what I my last question, I guess that I was going to get to, was going to be on the heels of Chiron Committee because I know you and I had had discussions privately, you know, and early, early on, you kind of thought, you know, Chiron's not key on. He might decide to blaze his own trail. I could see him doing that, and you know, I think that was where a lot of the ASU talk came from, and they pushed hard for him. And then, you know, I know when he picked Oregon, like you said, not only was it shocked you, it was a shock to most people. I mean, just maybe do you kind of know what it was in the end that maybe pushed him that direction to go to Oregon? I mean, it was just it was really kind of an interesting to follow because over the course of about that year, it went from, man, I don't know, he's probably going to blaze his own trail. Do oh, he's a duck. <laughs> so, so this is this is a, this is a quick the quickest I can go. I, I can't do much quick as far as talking, but uh, <laughs> we uh, the fastest I can say it, I'll, I'll explain his situation. So his his. Obviously, his, his sophomore year, he played. His sophomore year, he played um, some defense. He played outside linebacker. He played a little jet end and uh, packages. He was the number two wide receiver behind Blue McCoy, and um, he he, he um, basically. Hold on one sec. I'm sorry. Okay, we're good. Um, I just got uh, somebody just came out and tried to ask me a question. I'm outside <laughs> uh, at my job site. Um, so he 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 was uh, he was behind Brew McCoy, and you know obviously Brew McCoy didn't didn't come off the field very much, and Kyron just wasn't quite ready yet. You know, Kyron has developed. I love his development over the each year. Uh, I've seen an increase, and that's something that Mario would talk to him about. So his sophomore year, he had he didn't get much recognition at all. He hardly had any film. His film was JV film, and it was a mixture of sacks and interceptions as an outside linebacker coming off the edge and then some some touchdowns without without a lot of uh, development as a wide receiver position, just kind of raw potential. Then his junior year, obviously last year, um, he had a pretty decent year with 850 yards and 13 touchdowns. So there, there was a jump. There was an increase. A lot of the coaches that talked to us, something that was kind of, I guess you could say, public because he, he ran a 40. He ran a 40, and I believe he ran a 5-0. And it was at the start. It was in, like, February, the first camp, I believe, we went to. I believe it was the Under Armour camp. And he had he, he heard it growing. He had a sore growing, and he kind of ran it. I didn't tell him not to. Kyron, like like my other son, Keon, they, they don't really speak a lot on their injuries. They, they kind of keep everything to themselves, so I really didn't know. But that ended up nagging him throughout the entire offseason where we could do not a lot of training at all. And <clears throat> he was able to play in events, but usually each event would, would have a price. I might get some clips of him making some good catches, but then we would sit down and couldn't train for two weeks because his groin then moved to his hip and his glute, and it was just a, a problem with, the, with the, the sequence of how he was running. So it was just a problem. So he, 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 he ran what he ran, but then his junior year came, and his film, and we had one of the toughest schedules in the country, if not the toughest. And he and he held his own, and he had, you know, the in most cases the number one corner guarding him in every game, and he still did what he did. So some coaches would say, "I see what I see on film. I see the development. He's going to get faster. He's going to get stronger. I like his hands. I like his strength. I like his separation." And he still got room to grow. That was some colleges' take. Others said all they cared about was his 40 speed, and they would ask about it. So 
it was we were stuck in the middle and schools would come by and and you know a lot of big schools that didn't offer were still talking to us and they were just kind of waiting and Kyron got to the point where he would he was getting irritated and feeling slighted a little bit and sometimes corners that would cover him have offers to bigger schools to all these big schools and he would have a great day against them and they couldn't really guard him so that created a a, a mentality for him to kind of <laughs> have a problem with the schools that that kind of weren't offering him or talking to him as much so basically Arizona State kind of Oregon was talking to us but uh, uh the wide receiver coach was 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 nice to us but he wasn't recruiting as heavy right and other people would in the Oregon staff would talk to us but Arizona State came on and then some things like you know Kyron's film and and some other things that were going on um, kind of boosted boosted him and then all of a sudden out of nowhere Kyron starts t- you know telling me a little bit that he's talking to coach Cristobal and the things that coach Cristobal was telling Kyron were, were things that really stood out to him and it led us to have a conversation one day about you know traveling you know, and hey, if you go to Arizona State, it's going to be just like a conflict of interest. I can't go heavy and recruit for you like I did for your brother, and it's going to be awkward. Like you know, I, I'm going to go to some of Keon's games. I'm going to go to some of yours. We had that conversation, and basically, it was asked, "Are you okay with that?" And his first answer was yes. We went on the trip to Arizona State. They took us on the 50-yard line during pregame which was awesome to me and, and, and Kyron. They, you know, they really were trying. The rest of the recruits were on the sideline. This was at the Oregon game. And it was extremely awkward to see all the, all the Oregon staff walk by them as I'm walking with my son and the Arizona State coaches. So, but it did open my eyes, and I, I felt like, okay, if he wants to play here, he can play here. But at, at the same time, the, although Arizona State picked up then the rest of the Oregon coaches did as well, including Coach Coach Bonite at the time and Coach Kraus and uh, some of the other the the, the assistants, um, Coach Coach Devell Winters and and um, you know I, I just we started talking to more and it was a shock to me and it was I, honestly at that time it was Coach Mar- it was Coach Coach Cristobal it was his conversations with him. Um, and his talking about his belief, his development from his sophomore year to his junior year. And once he committed, then we went, and it was all about training. It was all about changing what, what's going on. And, and he's had a pretty good spring since his commitment. Oh, yeah. Definitely. No, it's, it sounds like a lot of schools are, are probably going to be kicking themselves a little bit for not pushing a little bit earlier but but credit to you know credit to coach Cristobal for kind of knowing uh, you know what he saw on film and knowing that he needed to make Keon or excuse me Kyron a priority um so no luckily it worked out for you because it would have been hard having to you know go to Tempe one weekend go to Eugene one weekend so <laughs> yeah I mean two, two flights that, that can't be fun for anybody man I mean no it, you know we, we we love we love the trip we love when we come he's always felt good but I I really think that you know once he talked about the offensive coordinator, I think he hinted to him about 
who he was going to bring in. Um, it was kind of around the same time frame he found the replacement. So I think he talked to him a little bit about what the plan was going forward, how how he sees how, what he projects in Kyron and, um, and and the wide receiver coach and kind of how important he was. Uh, obviously, they, they you know they talked about the, the brothers and keeping everything in the family, and you know we love Oregon, and so I, I think it all just kind of came together, and Kyron just felt like this is this is this has always been my place for me. Obviously, he wanted to blaze his own own trail, but I think once he realized that he had options, um, and with the schools that were talking to him, you know, we went on one visit, and just like Keon, he doesn't want to take any other official visits. Uh, when, when, when colleges come to class, he doesn't get pulled out of class. He, he, he doesn't really have an interest in talking to other schools. Uh, if, if they speak to him, of course he gives them courtesy, but he's, uh, he, he's ready to go. He's, he's locked in. Well, that's, that's great to hear coach. Um, and as always, we absolutely 100% appreciate your time and, and uh, we love your long-winded answers, so don't ever shorten shorten them down. Yeah. We love we love to hear the detail. <laughs> that was that was some of the best content I think we've had in months. Yeah, I, I think people rather listen to you than than us two idiots rambling over here. So, uh, uh, I doubt it. <laughs> but no, coach, we hey, I have I have my small circle while I get some information. One more thing, I'll tell I'll tell you guys and the fans that, that are listening to this. Yeah, um, I got a call last night. Uh, one of the things I was I, I was going to add it in earlier, and I kind of forgot, and I just I moved on, but. I get a call last night from one of the 22 wide receivers, uh, one of the top wide receivers in his class, uh, happens to play with Kyron and um, was on our trip to Arizona State. Uh, me and the dad are pretty close, and uh, it was C.J. Williams. Um, so I get a text from his dad, Shelby, saying, you know, basically talking about the visit, like, wow, you know, it was, it was amazing. That was their first time. And, you know, they're, they're being recruited by everyone. You know, I um, think he has offers from Alabama. You know, I know Notre Dame's there, Stanford's there. I mean, Arizona State, USC's coming after him heavy. So we had a, a good texting conversation back and forth for, uh, you know, 10 to 15 minutes. Um, and he really loved it, and he can't wait to get back. Uh, CJ loved it. Um, and all the conversations we've had about it, he knew what to expect. So CJ Williams is one uh, where I talked to the coaches and sent, sent, sent some information to him. Um, and you know we we they need to they need to get on him, and I think that's what they're going to do. So he's one to watch. He's one to watch the the, the process for because uh, he really enjoyed his trip. That's uh that's great to hear, Coach. Uh, modern day is pretty loaded. It sounds like in twenty two with Demani and Demani Jackson and CJ Williams. Those are a couple studs. Probably going to be two of the better players in the state of California. So hopefully we can keep that modern day to to Eugene pipeline going. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Demani's a long shot. Just a little little inside information. Damani's a long shot. I, I love Damani. I'm close with the family. It's Connor's best friend, so we're very close with them. Uh, the dad was all into it. Obviously, they were very, very close to Dante. Uh, knowing Mario, Mario's going to continue to go after Damani um, and, and hopefully try to change his mind. But Damani's kind of hinted uh, to, to, to me and to Kyron, uh, a little more than hinted, that, that he wasn't going to come to Oregon. But uh, you, you, you and I both, I mean, we've been around it long enough. We've seen a lot of things. So we'll, we'll see. We're going to keep keep after him, but but whether it's, whether it's Damani or not, uh, we're, I'm sure we're going to bring in some great quality guys that that want to be here, and and I'm excited. I, although I'd love to keep the as many modern day players as we can. We'll uh, we're going to be fine. Well, definitely. I mean, USC was in the hot seat last year. Who knows if they're out of hot water just yet? So 
as as right. you and I both know, a lot can transpire in the college football world in a year plus for sure. Well, Coach, uh, we got to let you get back to work. I know you're working, uh, but we definitely appreciate your time, and we'll get you back on again here this spring. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Good talking to you, and go Ducks. Thank you, sir. This happens every week. <laughs> We're just going to record for an hour. Uh, okay, no. Well, <laughs> when it's when it's that, like in in my position, uh, not to not to go inside radio again, but you know, my my job is I'm kind of the point guard, sure, kind of the distributor, yeah. running the running these plays. And when uh, we have a running back that breaks eight tackles, <laughs> jukes defenders, and darts down the right sideline for eighty yards. Right. I don't need to do very much. Yeah. I just watch that and go, okay, cool, yeah. right? Chance Hudson is doing more Adam Schefter than you do, right? And he's scooping and he's talking about you know guys that are looking at Oregon and here's who I saw and here's what I'm talking about and here's coaches that I've talked to. Right? Are you kidding me? Yeah, that's the best thirty minutes of our year. Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I think when it comes to podcasts or it comes to radio or whatever, you get. Like, you know, you have to have some filler here and there or whatever. Today's show wasn't filler. No it was filler. T- it was two really good guests that had a lot to offer and, and provided some really good insight about two different styles of topics related to, to Oregon football. We got the Oregon, they've got the spring practice side of things from Jacob, and we got some of the uh, the recruiting side of things from, uh, from Coach Chance. So, um, I don't know. I feel like this is one where we just kind of piggyback on them and and just let that let that sucker roll because yeah. I I know we're about an hour in on this podcast, but again, it was it's been really great content. Um, I I did want to spend just two minutes though. Yeah. The trifecta. Right. The triple the triple crown. Yes. Yeah. I mean, pretty awesome to to have the women win that tournament. First of all, you know, Pac twelve champions, Pac twelve tournament champions. They kicked ass. They kicked ass. Yeah, and I like people just are not fully grasping that was a top ten Stanford team that they throttled by by thirty. Yeah, I mean, right. like took their will to live at some point in the second quarter. It was like, okay, you guys are up three at the end of the first. All right, I'm over it. And it's just they held them to single digits in the second quarter. It's like that doesn't happen. Yeah, it's literally like, well, okay, Oregon's pretty good, but yeah, they thumped up on Stanford. Yeah, they thumped up on Stanford, who's a pretty damn good team. Who's probably going to make it deep into your tournament, by the way. I mean, just unreal. But, you know, for the men, obviously, got a big test later this week uh, into the Pac-12 tournament themselves, but are Pac-12 champs of the regular season. Um, So as you alluded to, got the triple crown. Um, Really nervous about this men's team. I mean, they've got the pieces – um, you know, the injuries are one thing Dante's kind of rounding back into form a little bit and that's a big key, but man, this team can kind of almost be a Jekyll and Hyde a little bit from game to game. So right. L- Lenardi has them as a four seed right now okay, that's and, fair. Yeah. and they're a high end four seed. Okay. I think that's where they'll end up. The question for them is, is going to be matchup. Yeah. Yes. Do they, do they have a rough matchup this year? Do they have a rough matchup in round two? If they can get their feet under them right. and get to that peak Dana Altman duck team that I think we're seeing right now, they could go on a deep tournament run. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know I've said it before, but this is a very much a, a, a scenario like we saw all year for football. This team only goes as far as Peyton Pritchard takes them. For football, is as far as Justin Herbert would take them. It's 100% as far as Peyton Pritchard takes them. Yeah. They're going to need some guys to help. They're going to need some, 
you know, they're going to need a Coro to protect the paint, Dante to protect the paint, chip in here and there. You know, they're going to need some help from, from Will Richardson or, uh, you know, Justin, when he gets going a little bit, that's kind of an X factor there. Um, they need all of that, but at the end of the day, if Peyton's putting up 15 points or less, they're not going to win many games. Yeah. Period. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, Vegas this week for the Oregon men. Oh, Potentially yeah. a Civil War rematch, by the way. Oh, man. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because the way the bracket is set up, I think the Beavs have Utah on Wednesday. And if they win, Thursday morning, Civil War. Man. Okay. Well, set your DVRs or whatever streaming service DVR thing. I don't know what it is. But, yeah, if you can't watch it. But try and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. I, I think it's going to be a very competitive Pac-12 tournament this year. I agree. I mean, here we are. We're talking about Washington, who was the worst team in the conference. And they're actually not that bad when they play well. So, I mean, who knows? It could right. be anybody. Right. So, uh, Oregon doesn't need to win the tournament, per se, to get in, which is probably a nice little relief. Their backs aren't against the wall, but but clearly they can help themselves by winning this tournament. Yeah. At the very least, you know, the Pac-12 is more than a one-bid league this year. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, so, there's your Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi podcast for the week. Two great guests, a little bit of hoops talk, some spring ball. Um don't tick off the Hudson family. Yeah, don't don't mess with the Hudson if, family. If they feel undervalued, underappreciated, <laughs> watch out. You're out. I mean, out. you you were joking earlier. One last thing. We'll wrap up on this note. Uh, you accidentally said Keon instead of Chiron. Right. But I don't blame you because it feels like their story is exactly the same. Yeah, no, I mean, undervalued. Oregon you know, sees them as, as, as guys. And, you know, I don't think we talked about it enough, but Chiron – the last month, month and a half, has just absolutely been tearing up the seven-on-seven circuit. And, I mean, just play after play, everybody's, you know, he's, he's seen a bump in his rankings and, and all these things. I mean, he's definitely, I guess, you know, it sounds like last year this time he wasn't 100%. I think he's showing what he can do at 100% and obviously with a little bit more development. So, um, you know, I know when we did the the Scoop Duck eval on him, you know, somebody, some someone – I think kind of said he, he's very similar to Anquan Bolden. And that's a great... That's a heck of a comp. It really is. Wow. I mean, but you're talking about a big-bodied guy that can, that can out-muscle corners, has enough speed to get open, and has he has he has absolute glue for hands. Yeah. So uh, you, you can definitely make a spot for that on your roster. Just an NFL Pro Bowl wide receiver. <laughs> right, yeah. Not a big deal. Not a big deal. Okay. All right. Uh, Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. Love you listening. Check it out. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher. Tune in everywhere. Scoop Duck and Hi-Fi. And we'll be back next week. I can do this now.